When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, well, let's get back to the phone lines, and um, let's see. It's going to be Ed and Doug and Suzanne and George. That's the order there. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. Um, I'm really trying to assess the practicality of, of trying to grow vegetables in my location. Okay. I'm a, a little more than halfway between Spring Branch and Blanco. Okay. And this is rock land, and I'm surrounded. I mean, I built my house in a small clearing surrounded by 30 to 40-foot oak trees. Right. So I've got a lot of issues to deal with. And I'm wondering, you know, I mean, if it's going to cost me three or four times more to grow vegetables than it would to buy them, I'm not too sure I want to do it. (laughs) Well, you know, there are two reasons to grow fresh, fresh vegetables. Number one, because you enjoy growing them. Number two, because you enjoy eating them. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that uh, you can grow a much better tomato than you can buy at the grocery store. And uh, probably the same thing's true of, you know, fresh beans and such as that. But it's if you don't have a good sunny area, you're going to be challenged. And um, yeah. yeah, and um, if I did, if you don't have the proper area to really grow a garden, then why frustrate well, yourself? Well, it's going to have to be a raised bed. It's mm-hmm. going to have to be fenced because it's, I've got, you know, a dozen deer that frequent my yard. Sure. And uh, and I, but I get some sun. I cut some of the trees away from my south roof because mm-hmm. I'm off grid with, you know, six thousand watts of solar panels. Good so for I you. Cut some away from the house. Oh, good for you. I, you you I know, have a water well though, so that yeah. helps. It's um, a garden it's doesn't take a lot of water, and uh, it, it sounds to me like you don't have an ideal situation. Um, no. I, you know, I probably would. I would start out, what I would do, rather than, you know, go to all the trouble of the deer proofing, of the raised bed, and all this, the expense of without knowing how well it's going to do, try a little container gardening. Uh, you don't even have to get pots. You can get, they make a fabric pot now. They're called a big bag bed. Inexpensive, fill them with soil, and, you know, you can grow a handful of tomato plants or just about anything else. You can do a very small area that you protect from the deer. And, you know, it's kind of like starting out with uh, um, you, you really want a big fancy car, but you don't know how much you're going to use it. So well, you start no, out with something smaller. I keep it relatively small. I'm sure. proud of, I, you know, I've, I actually have experience in related fields, and mm-hmm. I've actually built some greenhouses and and I'm really good at making compost. I was a handyman for a couple of years. <laughs> and well, I worked for a, for ladies for decades that 
you know, they hadn't, I'd do anything for them, and that was one of the things they sure. wanted me to do. So, well, my my question is whether or not you really have a good place for a garden, because it sounds right. like you have right. lots of shade, and most all of our summer vegetables are going to require a lot of sun. Now, you can easily grow your own mint for those mojitos or whatever else. You can easily grow uh, in the cool months. You can grow yourself some lettuce and some good leafy greens that don't require full sun. But tomatoes, peppers, well, squash. You, yeah. There's four things that I would like to grow, mm-hmm. and you can tell me if it's practical or or nuts. Okay, is I'd like to grow potatoes, uh, those little uh, cucumbers, cherry tomatoes, and purslane. Um, and and you said the last one was uh, purslane. Yeah. Um. You know, of these things, it's the wrong season for potatoes. You can certainly grow them and grow them very easily, but this is something we plant in February. We're way beyond the planting season. Cucumbers take a lot of space for a little bit of production, and you can buy you a... Know those little ones I'm talking about, they're only four or five inches long. Yeah, yeah. my favorite variety on that is the Persian Little Fingers cucumber, and uh, you can certainly grow them. Um, you, you'll pick well, them I live by myself. So anything I eat has to be finished. Sure. I'm not going to sit around and store. Sure. Know? Well, you know, you can grow three out of the four things. If you want to experiment at this, uh, we're even a little early for purslane because it's, uh, it's a real hot weather plant. If you like cherry tomatoes, get some sun gold, get some sweet 100 and, uh, uh, like I say, I think about doing, you can do them in a big pot or in a big fabric bed um, before you go to the expense to building a right. raised bed garden. And being a, a single man with a limited uh, consumption need, um, I would I would uh, probably start with cherry tomatoes, uh, uh, have a bed ready for the purslane as soon as it warms up a little bit. And right. um, then if you if you want to grow some cucumbers, uh, you could do a small trellis. And like I say, the, the, there are several varieties out there, but the one that I'm most successful with in Bernie, not terribly far away from you, is the Persian Little Fingers for a smaller cucumber. But, man, get out there right. and look. And the sun's moving oh, northward every day. And so they don't get potato bugs around here, do they? Rarely. I've had potato bugs once in the past 12 years. Really? Yeah. Wow, that may deter me. Well, I lived in Southern California for when I was a kid, and uh, in Summerlin, just above Santa Barbara, yeah. below Santa Barbara, and uh, man, the potato bugs were no, everywhere. no, they're I very. Never, I never want to see one of those ever again. Well, you probably won't uh, in the hill country, so. I wouldn't let that deter me, but you've got about 10 months to wait for. It's going to be time to plant uh, right, potatoes, right. so you can think about right. that. Well, but it would be an annual deal, so sure. I'm not, you know, I'd have to grow stuff your, you know, around the year. So. Well, um, again, I'd, I'd, you know, look at those areas. The sun's moving north. What is in shade today, you know, may be much sunnier next week, and that's your big deal. Uh, I would not put a whole lot of money into fences and raised beds until you figure out if you've got enough sun to grow things. Okay. So, so I can do that in cloths. And maybe yeah. a little chicken wire to keep the absolutely gear away from yes sir okay well thank you bob i appreciate it well it's my pleasure good luck with your project on it and let me talk to doug here good morning doug good morning sir morning uh, no more I, I heard somebody talking about plumerias mine are coming out in lease okay. good the problem is they're very tall and stringy 
Okay. And you told me, I called you earlier, and you said wait till springtime to uh, break them off and, and start new ones? Yeah. Okay. How do I do that? Okay. It's, um, again, we are still cool. And um, it's the process is easy. Uh, I mean, literally, you can break them off at a joint or you can take a sharp knife and, you know, cut a section of the stem off. You're going to let it just lie there in a warm place and dry for three or four days. You want that cut in to do what we call callousing. And you want it to seal over because you don't want to have it, you know, start to rot from that point. Uh, some people then root them directly in soil. I have always rooted them in perlite. I just find you get about a hundred percent success, but, uh, you just, you want your cuttings to be roughly maybe 10 inches long on plumeria, maybe up to a foot long. I certainly wouldn't go any longer than that. But uh, I just, I fill a nursery can with perlite. I'll put uh, six or eight cuttings uh, down into one pot, and it'll take probably four to six weeks for them to start rooting. Um, they, they really start rooting when the weather starts really warming up, and we're not doing that yet. But uh, then after about six or eight weeks, I will, you know, empty that container out. I'll separate out my several plants, pot them up, and go for it. Okay, so it's really too too early, yeah. It's it, if they are starting to put on new growth, I would go ahead and uh, do it soon. But uh, as cool as it is, I you know you can go online. I'm not real sure where you would find a good propagating mat uh, locally, but uh, you could try Bright Ideas or somewhere like that. But I really feel like that that warm base is going to be essential to get them to root well for you otherwise i would wait a little bit later in the spring because um we're going to be in the low 40s uh that i saw 39 for san antonio on tuesday morning so winter's coming back this next week and that's not a real good time to be starting a tropical plant from a cutting all right okay all right whole ground cornmeal i used to buy it at my feed store and they quit carrying it because they said it uh didn't didn't store very well but they carried something called, uh, I don't know, ground ground cobs or something, and I was just wondering, would that do the same thing? The cobs would not, but if they carry something, uh, you know, like the scratch feed for chickens or something, that's just a little more coarsely ground corn, yes, that would work just fine. But you need the kernel of corn, not the cob. If they're growing something that's more of a, uh, a compostable material, um, that's not what you're looking for, but the, the scratch feed or the more coarsely ground corn will work just about as well as the corn meal will. Okay. Can you get that whole ground corn meal in, in a store? Um, if you're buying it at HEB, you're probably going to buy it under the name of stone ground and just, you know, read the bag and see if you're shopping natural grocers or somewhere like that. Yes, you can most definitely uh, find that. But uh, what what area are you in, Doug? Uvalde. Oh, man, I'd uh, um, there is a company out there um, uh, called Nature's Creation that makes is packaging the whole ground cornmeal in. Uh, you don't need much of it, do you? Uh, no, I just need it for tomatoes and roses. Uh, okay. It's probably about uh, 12, 
15 of them. Okay. Like Tell your feed store, and, and they'll probably buy this from Adam's Supply, but this company called Nature's Creation, they actually put it up in gallon jugs with a good screw top on the top of it or maybe it's a little less than a gallon, but they put it up in plastic jugs, which makes it much easier to store. The problem with cornmeal is you get weevils in it. I can understand why uh, the feed stores are not real fond of that. We've fought a bit of those issues ourselves. And, uh, you know, once you get it, you can add some bay leaves or something to it to keep the weevils out. But Nature's Creation is putting it in a sealed uh, plastic jug at a very reasonable price, which means that uh, it can sit on their shelves for a year without worrying about weevils and still retain its efficacy for people like you that want to use it for a fung- antifungal product. And uh, I'm sorry? I'm just going to say, how much per plant? Oh, golly. You know, a handful. Handful. Yeah. Okay. One last thing. Do you, is there some place to watch? I live out here and it's hard for me to get to your seminars. Do you put, are they they online? You know, they are not. There are some old ones from four or five years ago when we had a fellow that would videotape them and put them on YouTube. Right now, we're still looking for somebody that would like to do that. So unfortunately, seminars, no, but stay tuned. We're, We're still working on that. It's just a matter of finding somebody that can videotape them and get them up. It's just, more time and talent than I have right now. What are they? What are they under? What are they called online? Always- you just have to Google them. Um, again, I'm not that much of okay. a computer guy to tell you, but I have people that tell me, you know, say you look younger back then. I said, less because that's from four, five, or six years ago. Information is still basically the same, but uh, uh, if you're like me, you'll find a, a the youngest member of your staff and ask them how to do it, and they'll look at you like you dummy. How you don't even know how to do that? And that's exactly the way they look at me sometimes. But uh, I'm sure you can find them out there. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, Doug. Thank you for the call this morning. I say good morning, Susan. There's Suzanne. Good morning. Hi, Bob. How are you today? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing great. I I uh, was out in the, my veg garden yesterday on a stool doing some weeding, and I I let me describe. I have a 24 foot row. 12 feet of it is blackberries. Okay. The remaining 12 feet is asparagus. Uh huh. So. In my in the asparagus portion, which is about eight feet away from the furthest most blackberry plant in the row, okay. I've got a baby blackberry coming up right in the crown of the asparagus. Okay. And I I'd like to remove the blackberry and you know hopefully have an intact plant that I can plant back back in the blackberry bit. Mm-hmm. But I I know I have to, there, there's going to be a runner uh, root underneath there under the soil that I'm going to need to cut, and I'm just afraid of, of damaging the asparagus crown. Well, in all honesty, what I think you're probably going to have to do is just dig the whole clump up, separate them out, plant the, uh, replant the blackberry one place, replant the asparagus back where it was. I don't, I, I think you're going to be really frustrated trying to dig around and separate the two um, it's, it's unusual, but not unheard of in my garden. Most of the little blackberry plants pop up within two or three feet of the mother plant. But, um, uh, you could go, I mean, if you wanted to, you could move a foot away from the asparagus clump back toward the blackberry clump and dig down to where you find that underground 
uh, stem, that underground rhizome-like growth that the blackberry is making, and you could just start at that point and work toward the asparagus and see if you're able to free it up that way. But uh, if it's really tangled up in there, I, you know, I, I think you're just going to have to, uh, you know, dig up the whole thing, separate the two, and then replant the asparagus back where it was, replant the blackberry wherever you want to have it. No, that's, I think that's good advice. I, I, I'm a, I'll tell you what, I'm afraid that if I just let that blackberry stay there, mm-hmm. that it's going to take over the asparagus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it will. The other option would be to put your thumb over the end of the hose and just wash away the soil from the base of the blackberry and see, you know, if there's any way that you could separate it out. But I, I tell you in all honesty, I think you're going to end up digging up the whole thing to try to get them apart okay very good well thanks for taking my call you give me some good advice well it's always a pleasure you get out and have a great weekend and uh um, do you have a, a you're here in san antonio aren't you no i live east of seguin oh east of seguin you know i would have a little insulator row cover handy for tomatoes and things like that i don't think it's out of the question we're going to see some frost around uh on tuesday morning so just realize there's a big weather change coming in the next 48 hours right and i'm ready for it my tomatoes are caged and wrapped so all i have to do oh. is throw the insulate over the top I'm, yes I'm Smart lady. At least in that regard, I'm good. I'm not good on the cut ants, but I'm good on the insulation. Well, then <laughs> then you don't have much to worry about. You can just pull the covers up and enjoy Tuesday morning. And uh, and you have a great weekend. I'll look forward to our next visit, Suzanne. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. George is next. Good morning, George. Good morning, senor. Everything going your way? Everything is going my way. I wish a little bit less of the oak pollen had come my way, but, you know, that's a small small nuisance to put up with. Well, it does put a different color on everything for a few days, doesn't it? It certainly does. Uh, the lady just hung up, kind of led me into one of my questions. I, I'm here to publicly confess that uh, I did not take Bob Webster's advice, and I put out a bunch of horse manure mulch uh-huh. in my garden and in my orchard and things started dying. Okay. And, uh, so I had to go to the second effort of shoveling it all up and hauling it off. And, uh, so I, my, my question begins, uh, that glyphosate. Yeah. How does that stuff? I mean, that, I, the theory is that the horse was fed hay that had been come from a field that had been sprayed with that weed killer well it's actually a different weed killer uh, glyphosate's not that bad as far as sticking around uh, what you're dealing with is picloram which is a uh, much more persistent yeah the horse ate the hay uh the picloram came through in the manure and um that's what you're dealing with well it's uh we're going on our this will be our third growing season since that and uh I, I lost most of my blackberries, and uh, so I, I, I took your advice and, and uh, found some um, oh the the blackberries that you recommended thorn yeah. uh, the roseboro roseboro yes yeah, yeah Weston had some up here at Plant House and so I put some of those in and they're doing fine good uh, but I'm I'm starting to get what appears to be little blackberries coming up and and that lady is that uh, the the roots didn't die out and it's putting up new blackberry plants that's quite possible 
that's quite possible uh um you may get some distortion you may get some uh oh kind of a little bit of uh aberrant growth on it but they probably will grow out of that it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because uh my business partner had uh, we had a little issue with it and uh, contaminated a bit, and it was about three years. And then things, as they say, the answer to pollution is dilution because picklaram doesn't ever go away, but it does get diluted down to the point that you're able to grow things. And, and it took about three years, so uh, um, that the timing sounds about right. Well, that's, uh, I, I do know that all that manure that I shoveled out of the beds and out of the orchard and i put it out in the middle of the pasture and you know it grew some pretty good weeds out there it's really rich material. <laughs> well if the weeds are growing then uh then it's it's gotten fairly well diluted down it has no effect on grass but uh and that's why they spray it on coastal fields and things like that but the uh, broadleaf weeds if you're starting to get uh those growing then the dilution factors down to where where it will be much less of an issue and uh lesson learned on a side note, the last couple of weeks you've had people calling in uh, about their Lindheimer's rat snakes. Right. And uh, I, in addition to the most expensive tomatoes in Comal County that I grow, <laughs> I, I, I grow uh, have chickens. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, go to a lot of effort to feed them and protect them from predators and stuff. But every now and then, probably about twice a year, I'll start losing eggs, and uh, if the timing's right, you'll go out there and you'll find a big, smiling, seven-foot-long rat, you know, Lindheimer's rat snake in there just helping himself. I, they, it's, I've been there, done that. So, you know, they, they, they do get a little snappy when you try and pick them up, and I, I hate to kill them, but I have uh, found that, um, you know what a minnow trap is, those baskets with yeah, yeah. inverted up yeah. them both in. They make a bigger one for perch. Uh-huh. And I can I can bait that perch trap with a couple of eggs, and uh, eventually I'll I'll catch sometimes as many as two at a time in that thing. Really, that's interesting. And, and uh, then you can go out and and uh, do what you want to with them. Relocate them and ranch. Tell them go back to eating squirrels and birds and what nature intended. I mean, one of the furnace things I ever saw was one of them that. Uh, and he was probably close to your, this one was probably about five and a half feet long, but was up in the tree and uh, decided to take on a squirrel. And the two of them came tumbling down out of the tree together. Squirrel went one way and the snake went the other way. But uh, they can be they can be amusing until they start dealing with uh, with the things that you want to keep. And But they are the most foul-tempered of all the rat snakes. I used to... I know some people, people probably not too surprised. I actually had uh, some black rat snakes, which made a very docile, very good pet. But the Lindheimers, they just have a little attitude to them. So uh, I wear very heavy gloves, and uh, where I have the opportunity, handle them with the snake stick because uh, they're they're not quite as friendly as some of the other rat snakes are. But it sounds like your your perch trap is just the ideal way to uh, relocate them without uh, having to handle them. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, last question, I'll let you go. Uh, what's the life cycle on my Brussels sprout plant? So they're going to start quit producing soon? Um, have they bolted? Have they put that stem up that has the little sprouts on it? 
uh, yeah, the, I mean, the big leaf thing that the Brussels sprouts grow on, yeah, you bet. Well, you know, the Brussels sprouts spend several months just in kind of a, a low plant that looks about like, say, broccoli, and then they put this this tall spike up right out of the center that forms the little heads up and down that are that are the Brussels sprouts. And yours has formed that tall spike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's been producing for you know, a couple of months. And it will continue to produce a few more, but you're going to find as the weather gets warmer, uh, the individual little sprouts are going to be not as tight. Um, the quality is going to deteriorate to the point you're going to quit picking them before the plants actually give up. But if you've been picking for a couple of months, you've, you've had the best part of the production already. It's going to diminish from this point on out. I put up five pints of pickled Brussels sprouts yesterday. I'm anxious to get some more space to plant something else. So, well, I would say go ahead and do it any time. Uh, give it another week because it's going to chill down this week, and probably if you're thinking of planting, you know, more squash or cucumbers or tomatoes or peppers, wouldn't hurt to wait uh, maybe seven to ten days. And unless you want to go ahead and pull the Brussels sprouts and start preparing your soil for the next crop, which is not a bad idea either. But you're you're right at the end of production on those. Okay. Well, great. You're a source of wisdom. I appreciate your time. Thank well, you. Well, I always enjoy the visit. You uh, have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk again. All right, let's get back to the phones. It's going to be Mike and Mark and Rhonda, my next three callers. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. Morning, sir. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well. I'm fine. The voice is just uh, 10% off with uh, the old pollen, but, you know, could be a lot worse. Yeah, I got got a little bit of that myself. I just got a quick question, Bob, and some sure. words of encouragement for a past caller. Uh, at the shop, do you you guys do you carry the Dreamland series zinnias? Yes, we do. Um, oh, okay. We don't have a lot of them yet. Zinnias, like many other flowering plants, um, are a little late coming on just from lack of sunlight. Yeah. But no, we carry the full Dreamland series. In fact, I even think we have some of the Dreamlands in seed this year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was talking to see. Yeah. yeah. You know you, you know me, Bob, I'm the old frugal gardener, so. You well, know. you know, no, <laughs> that's, uh, and plus it's fun to grow them from seed, and I can't think of anything much easier to grow than zinnias, easier, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah. say that we have the full spectrum of colors, but um, the okay, Dreamland I'll series, Wendy, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, they're a great Wendy, one. And, I'll call Wendy and see what you got, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, for for the fellow that called a while ago, Bob, that's halfway between Spring Branch and Blanco, I'm right in his backyard. Mm-hmm. And when I moved out here 30 years ago, I kind of felt the same way. But uh, he's, you know, he, he's got everything there on hand, basically. And you know, from one carpenter to another to another, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, uh, you, you know, he, he as soon as he finds his little sunny spot, I mean, with you know, if he's got any cedar at all, you know, he's got yeah. plenty of leaf mold there with the trees and whatnot. And that's, that's all I've done. I'm still working on my 30 by 30, my new garden, uh, you know, my back issues have set me back, but, uh, he's got everything that he needs. You know, you know, he'll spend a little money on chicken wire and maybe some growing green until he can, you know, uh, uh, you know, until he can, you know, uh, you know, move on to bigger but i'm i'm one that likes to encourage people bob in the gardening oh. and i've converted a few 
you know, a few of the old chemical gardeners, and I've started uh, started a few, you know, gardeners, and, and, you know, I'm not near the position you well, are, but if I look at it this way, if we can pe- keep people from buying, you know, that crappy produce that ships, <laughs> that ships out. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100. Miles, not, not to mention the therapy and, and, and the good exercise, uh, you know, it, it would be a much better world, so I, I hope that fellow's still listening, and, and, you know, I'm right in his backyard, like I say, and, you know, it, it, it's a lot easier than what you think, because I'm going from an 8 by, or I'm sorry, a 12 by 4, and, you know, I, the wife and I, you know, I grow plenty for us, and, and two daughters with families of four each that I ship, you know, cherry tomatoes and whatnot, too, you know, when I don't carry it there, <laughs> I, uh, and, and that's all you need. I mean, oh, and, and Bob, that keeps four, eight, that keeps 10 people going, basically, I mean, uh, <laughs> so it, well, you're, you're, you're a good man and a good gardener, Mike. I, I, I just want a person's first garden to be successful because that's yes, what sir. really gets yes, the sir. interest going. And, uh, I think he said he had 40 oak trees around his house. And, uh, I, if yeah. he can find a sunny spot, I'm with you and I want to give him all the encouragement possible, but there are times that, um, if you don't have sunshine and you don't want to cut down a tree, um, it's, it's good to go find somewhere else to do your gardening. I wish we had more community gardens around and, uh, of course out in the country, the truth, yeah. so many people just, uh, uh, they can find somewhere. So I'm like you, I, I hope he finds that sunny spot, but as I'm sure you've discovered over the years, uh, without sun, not much, anything's going to grow real well. So yeah, I appreciate the, yeah, and on that, and on that same note, Bob, you know, the sun comes over my house about 11 o'clock. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm in about sometimes just five to six hours, and, and that's one reason I'm moving. Sure. You know, moving moving mine out <clears throat> to a better spot now that I've got it cleared and got, got some hose dug, so that's where I'm at on that. But uh, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he can do it. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, it, I don't I, I, you know, hope you still listen. Don't give up, brother, because you can do it. Bob, uh, I'll let you go and move on to the next caller. I appreciate it, Mike. You have a great weekend, and I'll say good morning to Mark. What's going on, Mark? Hey, Bob. Good morning. Good morning, sir. So I have uh, some 15 to 20-inch pots that I bought, about four of them, to put around out by my pool. And I've got, uh, I would say, bright shade to, to part shade. I've got a lot of large pecan trees that mm-hmm. kind of provide the shade. So I was thinking about doing something like um, maybe the baby boxwood or something like that. Do those do well in pots or not really? Oh, yeah. They'll do beautiful in pots. There are two new varieties out there. One of them is called Baby Jim, G-E-M, and the other is Baby Jade. Um, They are more compact growers. They are a little more shade tolerant, and they are ideal in containers. Uh, My only thought is I'd probably put a little color around as well, maybe even uh, with pots that big, you can put a boxwood in the middle, and then when it warms up a little bit, maybe plant some periwinkles around the base, or even put sure. some, you know, the really brilliant colored uh, lime potato vine or something like that around them, just to increase the interest. And uh, but but they would the kind of area you're describing, they'd be an ideal plant for the with some of those pots. And do they require a lot of water? 
water? Like, I'm never sure how much water to put in these pots. Well, you know, the thing that makes plants able to tolerate uh, lack of water is their ability to grow roots from here to the next county. When you put something in a container, you've taken away that ability to spread the roots real widely through the soil. So you have to watch your watering much more carefully. But uh, the boxwood or tough and hardy and certainly no more water demanding than you know bougainvilleas or esperanzas some of the other things you might think of putting in there so it's just a matter there's no such thing as too much water but there's too often so when you water those pots really flood them when that soil feels dry on the surface time to flood them again and uh i'd say boxwood are are tough hardy plants Uh, if that's you're looking for a good evergreen i think that'd be a, a very good choice for you Okay, and there's one hole that they came with at the bottom. You know, there are those Vietnamese mm-hmm. pots. Is that enough drainage? It is. Um, if possible, I would probably drill a couple more, but those Vietnamese pots are really hard clay. So in this yeah. case, I'm probably going to put a, uh, you know, a, a pot shard or something over just to reduce the chance that that hole gets plugged up. Uh, yep. maybe even put a couple of handfuls of gravel right over the top of that hole. And sometimes um, you're, you're setting this on what kind of uh, decking? Uh, is it concrete? Uh, what what are these pots going to sit on? Stone. Okay. Then it's probably irregular enough you're not going to worry about it yeah. sealing off. I, I've seen right. some of those big pots that just seal themselves so tightly against a flat smooth concrete that they didn't right. drain well but stone stone's a really great material and okay. um you know it's most of the vietnamese pottery has a pretty good size opening so um yeah. i'm gonna check it every now and then just to be sure it's draining uh maybe once a year in the spring i'm gonna flip that pot over on its side and jam a screwdriver up through there and work it around just to be sure there's not a root trying to form and plug up that hole but i, I don't think i'd worry about putting any more uh holes in it if right. it was terracotta something easy to drill yeah i'd go for another hole or right. two but you're gonna find that a challenge and i don't want you to risk breaking the pots okay and then one other quick question, can I transplant fire spike right now or no? Um, has it, uh, did it freeze back over the winter months? Uh, no, I mean, not much. I mean, okay. they're just, they just didn't do well where they're at. And I was, you know, instead of torching them, I thought I'd try and transplant. I think you're fine to transplant them. Go for it as soon as you're ready. Okay. All right. Thanks, Bob. You're sure welcome, Mark. Thank you. Right. Bye. All right, let's get back to the phone calls. It's going to be Rhonda and Doug and Dolores and whoever's calling in on line number three right now. Good morning, Rhonda. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Okay, I am not a patient gardener. I understand <laughs> my first problem. Okay. Anyway, my lemon tree. I had, I think, 13 or 14 lemons last year. Mm-hmm. But the tree never bloomed. It usually blooms in January, early February. It hadn't had a single bloom. What, Why would that happen? What I suspect happened, remember that very early, very severe freeze that uh, kind of caught everybody by surprise? 
I suspect, because at this point, you couldn't even see the buds, but the buds were there. They're what we call bud primordia. They're a little group of cells that's already decided they're going to turn into a bloom. They're out on the tips of the branches, and chances are they just got nipped in that freeze and were not able to move forward and make the blooms that they usually do. In effect, the buds froze before you even saw that there were buds on there. Um, that I've seen on a number of citrus around. Now, some of them, um, decided on adventitious tissue to go ahead and put on a limited number of blooms. Other places where the trees were a little more protected, uh, they've gone on bloom like normal, but your tree looks healthy, right? Yeah, it looks perfectly fine. And it was in my, it's my greenhouse, but it's really just a little shed with four windows in Mm -hmm. it. And I had it in there, and I know it got cold, but I doubt that it froze in it. Well, the only other issue could be if it just wasn't getting as much uh, sun as it needed. I mean, that's, but even then, they usually produce at least a few blooms, which is why I think the cold is the most likely culprit, because uh, Myers lemons are pretty dependable and it doesn't sound like it overstressed and put on too many fruit last year so uh um i wouldn't give up i'm not past saying that it might not decide to put on a a few late blooms and give you some fruit i guess the good news is that if they skip a year in production which they sometimes do the following year is usually a really bumper crop when you have more lemons and you know what to do with Oh, where you're required to have patience. Okay. <laughs> I was trying not to use that word since you, <laughs> since you like me, said it's not one of your strong points. <laughs> and I figure that's the same thing you're going to tell me about this. But before that freeze in November that messed everything up, I had my xylosma, viburnum, primrose jasmine, all trimmed in October, mm-hmm. and now they're brown, have been brown since November. I can see little green leaves coming on them, so mm-hmm. no, they're not dead. Right. But they're real ugly. And in my view, November was a long time ago, and I've looked for ugly a long time. I want to cut it back. But I think... I'm not sure we're not going to have another freeze. Leave them alone till at least the end of April. But well, what's your opinion? Here's the thing. If we were, if you did cut them back now, it's going to take another four to six weeks for them to start to come out. It takes, is it, the new growth doesn't come out tomorrow when you, when you do cut them back. Mm-hmm. So I think that by the time, if you cut them back now, I think by the time they start coming out, we would most definitely be beyond the danger of a freeze. So I'm not going to let that deter me. Um, but they haven't put on any new growth since you cut them back in the fall. So you have to ask yourself, do they really need to be cut back? Because when they start putting on the new growth, which they will do when we, you know, get consistently warm weather, um, it's probably going to cover up all the old ugly brown tissue that resulted from that early freeze. So I'm going to say it's strictly up to you. If you want to cut them back, go for it. I'm not worried about the cold at all. But um, I'm also not sure it's necessary because once these things really leaf out, 
um, you're not going to be able to see the old damage that uh, occurred back in the fall. I see. Okay. Well. If you need something to do, (laughs) go cut them back. If you're like me and your list of projects is a lot longer than the days are, then uh, uh, move down to the next project on the list and uh, uh, ignore them. And um, I'll, I'll try to stay away from that P word, but uh, maybe, maybe you need uh, two weeks in uh, Hawaii for a little bit of a break, and things will be much nicer when you get back. I think I should have gone there when it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the help, Bob. Have a great day. You do the same. It's always nice to hear from you, Rhonda, and we'll uh, talk again soon.